So let's go back to Samuel. We were talking about Samuel and his, his childhood and how he came to pass. Now, while Samuel was growing up, the two sons of Eli, Eli was a priest, and then his two sons were priests. Their names were Hophni and Phinehas. So in 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verses 12 through 18, we're going to look at this right now. Back in the first Gulf War, when uh George H.W. Bush was trying to build a coalition of nations to go against Saddam Hussein when they went into Kuwait. He got up and he said, there is a new world order. That was the first time that phrase had been used, and it has been used many, many times since. But today we're talking about a new church order. And 1 Samuel 2.12 talks about it like this. It says, the sons of Eli were base and worthless. They did not know or regard the Lord. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? They were pretty well no good. And the custom of the priest was with the people was this. When a man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was boiling with three prongs in his hand. And he thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought out, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh with all the Israelites who came there. Also, verse 15, before they burned the fat, now all of this was rules that they had for spices. Before they burned the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man who sacrificed, Give the priest meat to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, and then you may take as much as you want, the priest's servant would say, No, give it to me now, or I will take it by force. So the sin of the two young men was very great before the Lord, for they despised the offering of the Lord. But I want you to look at verse number 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, a child girded with a linen ephod. Now that's found in the Amplified Version. So notice as the old system was corrupt, and notice as the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, dealt very dishonestly with the children of Israel and their sacrifices. They did not follow protocol. They did not follow what the Lord had said. And they disregarded everything. The verse 12 says, they did not regard the Lord at all. There was no regard, no respect for the Lord at all with these two young priests. As all of that is going on and it just seemed like thing was continuing just the way it was, that there would be no changes. If you're here on Wednesday nights, you can see that the, the political landscape of Israel and Palestine when Jesus was born, was under Roman control. They were hoping for a Messiah that would be a political leader, that he would come and that he would kick the Romans out and he would set up the kingdom and nation of Israel again. That's not what Jesus came to do. But as they would look at the situation, they would see how corrupt the government was. They would see how corrupt the priesthood was. They would, they knew that there was wrong things that were happening at the tabernacle where Hophni and Phinehas were serving. But there was nothing basically that they could do about it. And they were like, God, how long is this going to happen? But you don't ever know what God is going to do because while it looked like Hophni and Phinehas had a free run and got to do whatever they wanted, the Bible says Samuel ministered before the Lord. In the midst of the corruption, God is bringing up 
a new man. In the midst of the corruption, God is bringing up a new order. In the midst of the mess, God is bringing up his answer and his plan to take care of the old church order. All right, so let's go on. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse 22, now Eli, who was Hophni and Phinehas' father, was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli says to them, I have been hearing reports from all of the people about the wicked things that you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? So Eli knows what is going on. He's confronted his sons and he says, you must stop my sons in verse 24. The reports I hear among the people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father. For the Lord, now look at this line. For the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Wow. Hophni and Phinehas would not listen to their father. They didn't care. They were going to get as much of the sacrifice as they wanted. They were going to take it when it wasn't appropriate to take it before the fat was burned. They were going to do whatever they pleased. They were going to seduce the young temple workers at the gate of the tabernacle. They were going to do whatever they wanted. And God says, all right, if they're not going to listen, that's all right. I already have plans to take care of them anyway. It is very, very dangerous to live without regard for the Lord. Make sure that in your life and in your house and in your family, there is a regard for the Lord, for the ways of the Lord, for the word of the Lord. Amen. And sometimes I think maybe we should probably turn off the television a little bit more and give more time to the word of the Lord and to Bible study and to doing whatever the kingdom requires us to do. Now look at this. So God is already planning to put them to death. And meanwhile, verse 26, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. God is never without a plan. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. God has ways of doing things that we cannot see. It may look like the old order is going to stay in place forever, but God is already making a plan. And not only does he have the plan, but he has the personnel to fulfill the plan. So God is looking at this situation and he's saying there needs to be a turnover in all of this this has got to change so let's go to first samuel chapter 2 verse 27 it says one day a man of god came to eli and gave him this message from the lord i reveal myself to your ancestors when the people of israel were slaves in egypt that's the first line that the lord gives eli through this prophet I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you, priest. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more give me? Uh-oh. For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. It was dangerous ground that Eli was standing on because he was giving more honor by letting Hophni and Phinehas do what they were doing than to say, 
this will be the last time you will do this. Put a stop to it now. Enough said. Listen, dads, if you're in the house, your word should be the last word of authority in the house. If you say it's time to go to church, then everybody, it's time to go to church. I don't go into Mitchell and Marcus and say, do you guys want to go to church today? I know you played real hard yesterday. I know you're tired. Do you think you ought to go to church today? Is it? No. There's no choice. There is no, it's, I'm sorry. There is no choice. It's Sunday. We have church. We're going to church. When it's time to go to church, it's time to go to church. Why? Because just as Jesus' parents instilled in him and took him to the temple and took him to the synagogue, just as Samuel's parents were doing here, there were some rules in the house that had to be there. Amen? You've got to set some godly rules in your house in order for you to have a godly family. I know people, it's amazing to me, for the most part in this world, men are attracted to women and women are attracted to men. And so, you know, the ultimate goal is companionship and and marriage and all of this business and whatever. It's amazing to me how many men go to the bar to find a good Christian woman. That's like going to Sam's and looking for a Mercedes. You're not going to get the Mercedes at Sam's. You don't go to the bar to find a good Christian woman. I was, I know a guy. I've known him for about 10 years. He's been through several women and it's like, look, we're going to change his name to protect the guilty. We're going to call him Lewis. Look, Lewis, you've just been through a nasty divorce. She took everything you had and within two months, here you are again. You're still shopping in the same place. Lewis, this ain't going to work. Sorry about the ain't. It's not going to work. Well, then that one crashed and burned. Now he's on his third one. Guess where he found her? Cages. Redwood. Who knows? Down there somewhere. It's not going to work. If you want a godly home, you have established godly principles in your life. You say, well, I wasn't born godly. Well, none of us were born godly. In my flesh dwells no good thing, and I have gobs of flesh. There's nothing good in all of that, none of it. There's nothing good there. So is it too late? No. When you get a God consciousness in your mind, and you may realize after 40 years of being in jail and bars and prison and destruction, and finally you come to your senses like the prodigal son did, the Bible says he came to his senses and said, I'm over here eating with the pigs. My servants in my father's house have everything they want. You may come to your senses after many years of destruction and realize, I am going to set up a godly home here at this address. This is what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to call out your address. Whatever your address is, I want you to call it out. Here's what we're going to say. I am going to set up a godly Christian Christ-following home at 123-2414 Whitler Lane. There it is. Now, it sounded chaotic to us, but it was music to his ears. Because you know what? And those children that have saw you soap and acting like them. Sorry about that. Somehow we've got it all messed up. We have been acting like the kids all these years. We want to be their friend. You can't be a kid's friend. You have to be their father or their mother. You have to learn to say no. You have to learn to say, I don't think we're going to do that here. Sometimes you got to tell them, no, we are going to set godly principles. And it is difficult to set up a new order in your house when the old order has been in existence all those years. Everybody is used to the old order. Well, now I'm starting to feel the preacher come behind me and tackle me. We're used to the old way of life. We're used to the old way we talked. We're used to the old way we used to treat each other. But guess what? There's a new sheriff 
in town. There's a new mom and a new dad in the house. And the new mom and the dad say, we are going to follow Christ. If you don't want to follow Christ and you're of age, that's fine. But all the young ones are following Christ as long as we're here together. I'm talking about a new church order, a new house order. I'm talking about a change in your life. Somebody said, I don't go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. Boy, it takes one to know one, doesn't it? The only thing they cannot see that their, their drinking buddies or their dope buddies only want them around when they've got the stuff. Now, who's the hypocrite? We like you because you have stuff. If you don't have stuff, we don't like you. And we just go through life because we're so used to the old way of life, the old order, when God is wanting to put a new order in our lives and in our homes, and God is going to raise up while the whole system looks corrupt, God is raising up that Samuel, and he is getting ready to pull that ministry, that old order, down in our lives. Amen. So look at verse 29. So why do you scorn my sacrifice? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi be my priest. But I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family. Now, wouldn't this be a sad thing to hear in words from the Lord? So it will no longer, verse 31, serve as my priest. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel. But no members of your family will ever live out their days. Those who survive will live in sadness and grief. And the children will die a violent death. And to prove that what I have said will come true, I will cause your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to die on the same day. Wow. Not only did God say, I'm just going to cause your sons to die on the same day, He named them. He said, Hophni and Phinehas are going to die the same day, and I'm going to show you that my word is true. Now look what God says. Then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. Not only did God say, I'm just going to cause your sons to die on the same day, he named them. He said, Hophni and Phinehas are going to die the same day, and I'm going to show you that my word is true. Now look what God says. Then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want our families established in the Lord? Listen, you're in the wrong place if you came here just to uh, pass time or to get me to sign your probation papers. When you come into the presence of the Lord, God wants a change. And you know what? We hate change. We don't like change. Some of you struggle to rearrange the furniture in your living room. I mean, it'll tear you up. Change is good. You came to church. You came to say, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to change things in my life. But we don't like to change. You know, change may involve putting down some old lifestyles and some old habits. God said, I'm going to establish a family and they will be priests to my anointed kings forever. God does not want to establish just in your home an anointed family where you will be... uh there and you will not affect anybody else. God is intending for you to be contagious. God wants to establish a Christian home in your house and then he wants you to take that Christian 
principle and Christianity and go to the next house. Salt is no good until it gets out of the shaker. You can look at those mashed potatoes that need salt and until you pick up the shaker and put it on there, it's not doing you any good. Because if you don't get it out of its element, it's still there. And you're eating those old bland, nasty mashed potatoes. But when you pick up the salt shaker and you get the salt out of its element and it begins to do the work that it was intended to do, then the potatoes taste a lot better than they did. God is establishing a godly home and a new order in your house. And God is establishing a new order in the kingdom of God. God is turning the church order upside down. And God is putting something in the hearts and lives of men and women of God and in churches that's saying this, get a room in the church and fill it up with food and give to people in need. Get on the radio station. What in the world are we going to do when we have three to eight cameras, television cameras, and we're preaching on television? What in the world are we going to do then? You know what we're going to do? If Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to us, it's time to get Jesus out there on the television and on the internet and on the radio radio, amen, and on flyers and mailboxes, I'm telling you, and in houses and Bible studies, there is a new church order that is coming, and that new church order bleeds over and makes new families and a new order in our homes. It takes the old and throws the old away, and it brings the new in. That's what God was doing here. Verse 36, then all of your surviving family will bow down before him, begging for money and for food. Please, they will say, give us jobs among the priests so we will will have enough to eat. That's the new living. Now look at verse uh, 1 of 1 Samuel 3. It says this, in those days when the boy Samuel was serving the Lord under the direction of Eli, there were very few messages from the Lord and visions uh, quite rare. One night Eli was now almost blind, he's almost blind, was sleeping in his own room. Samuel was sleeping in the sanctuary where the sacred covenant box was before dawn while the lamp was still burning. And look at this, and the Lord called Samuel and he answered, yes sir, and ran to Eli and said, you called me and here I am. But Eli answered, I did not call, you go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord called Samuel again. The boy did not know that it was the Lord because the Lord had never spoken to him before. So he got up, went to Eli and said, you called me, I am here. But Eli answered, my son, I didn't call you, go back to bed. The Lord called Samuel a third time. He got up, went to Eli and said, you called me and here I am. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. What a sad sad situation where it took three times for Eli to realize that God was talking to Samuel. When he went to Eli the first time, called me and Eli said, I didn't call you. Surely he should have had spiritual perception to the point that he would have known that the Lord was trying to talk to him. What is happening in the old church order? We are asleep. The old church order, we are not sensitive to the voice of God. We are not seeing things that we want to see because we don't recognize the hand of God in things. The Bible says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't matter whether you're 19 or whether you're 92, it is never too late to tune your ear in to hear what God is saying in your life. Amen? The Lord called Samuel the third time. He got I went to Eli. You called me and here I am. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to him, go back to bed and if he calls you again, speak Lord, your servant's listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came and stood there. That's where I want the Lord. I want him standing right by me. I want the Lord standing right by me. Listen, we're all human. We can only help each other on this level. But when the Lord is with us, we can
can go like this. You see? That's why we can't always do it like this until we get like this. You have to work on this first. And when you get this taken care of, then you can go like this and help each other. And the Lord was standing there and he called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, your servant is listening. The Lord said, someday I am going to do something to the people of Israel that it is so terrible that everyone who hears about it will be stunned. Do you remember the day? A bright sunny day here in Illinois. Bright sunny morning, September 11th, 2001. You know where you were at when you heard there were planes flying into buildings in New York. You know exactly where it was when you heard that the first tower fell. You knew all about that. You were stunned. You were shocked. You were in amazement of how it all was coming down and what in the world was going on. It was the same way when God said to Samuel, he said, I am going to do something in Israel that everybody who hears it is going to be stunned. And so what is it going to be? On that day, he's saying, I will carry out all my threats against Eli's family from the beginning to the end. Now tell me God is a just and merciful God. Yes, he is. But when God's had enough, God has had enough. But God says, I'm going to finish off Eli. I have already told him that I'm going to punish his family forever because his sons have spoken evil against me. Eli knew they were doing this, but he did not stop them. As long as those kids are in your house, you have to have the power to stop them. You cannot coddle. You cannot just say, well, then maybe this will happen. You have to learn how to say no. Eli was responsible for his boys, and he did not stop them. So, God says, I solemnly declare to the family of Eli that no sacrifice or offering will ever be able to remove the consequences of this terrible sin. God was on a rampage. God says, I have put up with this long enough. I am not doing it anymore. Here we go. Samuel stayed in bed until morning. He probably had the sheets pulled up over his head. Then he got up and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. Eli called him, Samuel, my boy. Yes, sir, answered Samuel. What did the Lord tell you? Don't keep anything from me. God will punish you severely if you don't tell me everything he said. Well, now. So Samuel told him everything. He did not keep anything back. Eli said, he is the Lord. He will do whatever seems best to him. Before we get in that situation where we cannot do anything, before we have to be reactive, become proactive and change some things in your life. Change some things in your home. We're changing things in our church. Some of you are sitting here today and said, I've never been in a service like this before. We haven't either and we'll never be like this again because we always want to reposition ourselves to find out which way God is going in this thing. We will not change the doctrine. The doctrine stays the same. It still takes repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost. It still takes all of that business. It, it takes getting junk out of your heart and living a clean, holy, godly life. But we're going to find what God is doing and we're going to find how we can help minister to our fellow man and bring as many people as we can into the presence of God. Look at this house. You know what? This house is, is there's two words that describe this house. Too small. Too small for what God's going to do. You know why? Because God wants to do a new thing in our lives. He wants to do something different than ever before. He wants to take us out of darkness and put us into light. He wants to take us out of tradition and put us into what His new thing is. Amen. And I want to be part of it.
Now, after the Revolutionary War, the expansion of the 1800s, new, fresh Americans, as they were called, into the western wilderness, into Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana and Illinois, and westward expansion had begun. There were two types of people, and we find ourselves in the same situation today spiritually. There were two types of people. The first type of person was a pioneer. A pioneer went before and they conquered new territory. They explored. They encountered difficulties. They encountered Indians. They encountered wild beasts. They encountered harsh climates. They encountered all sorts of things. But every step they took was one more step that they took for that new nation and for the expansion of that new nation. Then coming behind the pioneers were those people who were what we called settlers. They would come in and they would settle in an area. They would find a central location. And as they settled there, there they would establish homes and families. There they would have schools and stores and trade and business. There they would have towns and churches. Those were the settlers. We have to ask ourselves today, who am I? What am I in the kingdom of God? What am I in life? Am I a pioneer or am I a settler? Am I someone who is going to be satisfied with staying back here and I'm going to call it this is the right thing to do and I'm saying to my pioneer friends, no, you've gone too far. But let me ask you this, how do the settlers in eastern Pennsylvania and in Maryland and in Virginia, how did they end up in Ohio and Indiana and in Kentucky? Because they were on the backs of the pioneers who were blazing the trail and putting a path before them. Do not, do not, do not condemn the new way. Do not condemn the way of the pioneer because the settlers will come behind them where there is safety and security and peace. But yet the pioneers are still looking, God, do you have more for us? God, what do you want us to do next? What is the next ministry you're going to open up? We've been here just one year. We've got a food pantry. We've got a radio ministry. You know, then there's going to be block to block and it's going to be adopt to block and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And God is just moving. I'm not worried what God's going to do. I'm not worried where we're at because of this one thing. God God is in control and he said I am going to do a new thing and I want to be on the new thing wagon don't you and as Samuel grew up the Lord was with him and made come true everything that Samuel said so all the people of Israel from one end of the country to the other knew that Samuel was indeed a prophet of the Lord let me tell you something when you come into the new thing when you come into the new way when you come, when you leave the old way your friends are going to take note your neighbor is going to take note. You didn't go to church for 42 years. You've been in church more in the last four months than you have in 42 years. Now you become a holy roller. Now you become a Jesus freak. But there's a change that's coming. There's a change that's blowing in our lives. This is going to take tenacity. It's going to take the strength of a man and a woman who will be a soldier. Samuel was just a boy in the house of the Lord. But notice how the dedication of that little boy... In that temple that day, three chapters earlier, he turned out to be the prophet. And every word that he, listen to this, the Lord continued to reveal himself at Shiloh, where he had appeared to Samuel and had spoken to him. And when Samuel spoke, all Israel listened. And if you'll follow the life of Samuel, he anointed Saul to be king. He anointed David to be king. It was Samuel that was the prophet when Saul was losing his mind and losing the kingship. It was Samuel that had to go and say, you know what, Saul? God has taken the kingdom from you. 
But the Bible also says that every word that Samuel spoke, that God did not let one word ever fall to the ground because God said the new order is the way of Samuel. People who are hungry for me, people who respect me, and people who will follow me. I'm talking about a new church order. What's a church order? People that aren't afraid to bust out of the box and say, "We, well, you know what? Have you ever heard them say, we don't do that like that around here? Then it's about time to change some things and let God move you from being a settler to a pioneer. Remember this, the standard of what we live in today was yesterday's new revelation. Where we're at in God today was a new revelation back then.